Yes, let's give it up. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, we're so glad you guys are here. My name is Jason, and we just can't get enough of each other. So yeah, after last week's podcast, I don't think I'll ever be a paralonic. Yeah, we don't. We're scared now to be up here by ourselves. <laughs> so we're excited. We're jumping into our new series. Before we do that, if you're new to Restoration, we have an awesome new three-week series that is coming at you today. And if you're new, you can fill out that connection card. It's a great way for us to get to know you. It's in the back seat of each of the seats. Fill it out. Put it out on the porch when you leave. We'd love to get to know you more, connect you with our church. And one of our values as a church is to be a praying church. And so even if you have been coming for a long time, if you just need prayer, we would love for you to fill that out. And we would love as a staff and our prayer teams to pray for you and over you. And we're excited. You know, Ron, kind of one of the things with our church is we have people that join us online. So we want to welcome you online. Welcome online. Let's get up for the online people. We have people that join around around the world online. And then in Denver, we have people from different neighborhoods around the Denver area. And every neighborhood has their own, like, identity. What, what neighborhood do you represent, Ron? I represent the old bungalows of Wash Park. Of Wash Park. Any other Wash Parkians out there? A few, okay. Well, how do you, what do you call yourself? Wash uh, maybe Washingtonians? Washingtonians. So, Washington, I feel like they do have an identity. So, you know, we, we promised that we would try to entertain you at RST Talks. Next week, we actually have real entertainment. Real entertainment. But I came up with, like, the Jeff Foxworthy, like, you might be a redneck, but you might be a Wash Park-onian or... Oh, oh I Wash hear Park. this. Okay, so oh, you yeah. might be a Wash Park resident if your business casual always includes Lululemon. Oh, yeah. Busted. Lululemon pants, for sure. You never know if you're going to go into a meeting and you need to like stretch it out and get like into a you know Warrior One or something like that. Well, you you never know when you might just need to run around the park. Yeah, I mean you're always ready. And the shoes too. I go home and it's right into child pose, right in these pants. You know that you're a Wash Park resident if you use the word Bonnie Bray three or more times a week. Like, you guys uh, use it all the time. Bonnie Bray Tavern, liquor, and ice cream. Okay, we won't ask... Not in that order. Not in that order, okay. (laughs) Certain people like certain things. So, uh, Bonnie Bray, and you might be a Wash Park resident if you... Oh, you get really excited when you have a spot in front of your house to park your car. That's for sure. <laughs> on Sundays and Tuesday nights, volleyball time. You're like, thank you, Jesus, you just showed up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, you're a resident. Like, what's, give me, like, your wash park, your wash uh, park We have resident. a lot of dogs. We have dog spas. We have dog pet stores. We have all kinds of dog things. And so you might live in a wash park if you don't know your neighbor's names, but you know the names of their dogs. <laughs> for sure. You're like, hey, man, how's it going? Max, it's Max, good. I love I you. Oh, Max. Hi, bro. We'll see you later. <laughs> okay, so we're jumping into RST Talks. And so RST Talks is kind of based on TED Talks. They're short, quick. We have three different talks today, and they're really awesome. Give us a unpack why we're doing this, Ron. Uh, if you're new to Restoration, we do all kinds of series. We just finished Colossians. We're going to probably do another book in the Bible. We'll start next month. But then we do topics that are relevant to us as a church, to our mission, or what's happening in culture. And so this is going to be really different. We've never done this style of topics. So we, we'll do three topics a week, TED Talk style. If you've been to TED Talks, if you've been to the conference, or you watch them, you know they're like 18 minutes. These will be six to seven minutes in length. And instead of like ideas worth spreading, these are biblical ideas worth spreading. Yeah, and so we love as a church to get everyday disciples that make disciples 
just leading. And today we have communicators that this isn't their job to communicate. Ron and I, we can like miss on jokes and people don't laugh. And it's okay if you don't laugh at us. But these, the people coming today, this is their first time to be on a stage like this, present to you. So I need your help. You need to laugh with them. You need to cry with them. You need to cheer them on. And so before we jump into our first speaker today, why don't you introduce our first RST talk? All right. So, uh, Kyle Kempers will be our first talk. Hold your applause. Um, I got to stick up things about Kyle. So Kyle, it, it's uh, no secret I love Kyle. Like I've always had a big heart for Kyle. I've watched him grow as a leader. Um, I've rarely seen a worship leader with the kind of character Kyle has. And he has done such a phenomenal job helping us grow our worship culture here at Restoration and teaching us how to worship God together. Can I hear an amen for that one? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And uh, you're watching online, and you, you know during COVID that, uh, man, we, we couldn't do this, but Kyle led us through that and helped us worship at home. And then now we're back together, and we feel the spirit in the room. And so Kyle's going to speak to us about worship today. So will you please give it up for Kyle Kemper. Yeah! You made me cry right before I got up here. So I'm like tearing up. I'm like, oh, man. Well, it was December 22nd of 2019. It was 1 p.m. in the afternoon. And it was the third service of our Easter, our Christmas Eve services at Restoration here. The room was packed, front seat to the back seat, and we were all singing together. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. But I wasn't thinking about The Lord coming to earth. I wasn't thinking about our Savior coming as an infant babe. I was thinking, what am I going to have for lunch today? (laughs) Oh, man. That's right. We're going to Marg's Taco Bistro. (laughs) Let earth receive her king. I'm going to receive a mahi-mahi taco. (laughs) And let every heart prepare him room. Oh, I'm going to prepare so much room. I'm going to get four of them. Man, this is not an uncommon occurrence for myself, and I think that we all do this. We get distracted. We start thinking about a conversation that we had that week, and it comes to mind. It was, it was intense, or it was good. We start thinking about something going on at work, or maybe you're thinking about lunch. I know I am. Just started talking about Mark's Taco Bistro. And, you know, if you haven't been there and you decide to go there for lunch after this, you'll probably see Michaela and I there. I think back to December 22nd, 2019, and I think what I needed to do then and what we all need to do sometimes is stop singing and start worshiping. Now, when I said stop singing just then, you may have thought that I'd said stop worshiping. Because we have so paired singing and music with worship. But if we look at a definition of worship, we'll see that there's a lot more to it than that. If you could throw up that definition of worship for me. It's a feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. So you could see that singing and music can fall into expression, but that a feeling of adoration could also be worship. So that means that there's so much more to worship than just singing the song. Let's look a little bit deeper. Go into John 4, 23. It says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. I think God is he's looking for spirit and truth, and spirit is the essence of who we are. It's our character makeup. It's us. And truth is our honest admission of reality. It's where we are at, what we're going through, and what we need. And if we're worshiping in spirit and in truth, I believe that we'll find authenticity. It's easy to talk about spirit, and it's easy to talk about truth, and we could talk about it for a long time because I get really excited about these things. I've been doing worship my whole life. I love the study of worship. But I think that we need practicals. I don't know about you, but even for myself, I need practicals, things that I can do that help me worship. So I like to do three things. I like to surrender, I like to meditate, and I like to celebrate. The first one is surrender. This one's pretty practical, but I like body language that helps lead my heart and my mind in worship. So I'll put my hands out, close my eyes, and take a deep breath, and I'll just picture the things that I need to surrender. Just practically take the distractions I'll put them in my hands and be like, God, I just need you to take these things right now. I need to surrender. And I'll meditate. Meditating is, is something that I think our culture is getting more and more excited about. It's the simplicity of thought. It's like where we, we just take our mind, we, we calm ourselves, and we just think on like one or two things, and we simplify what we're focused on. I think one of the best things to meditate on in worship is thankfulness. So you can just take the same deep breath, relax. And you can meditate and be thankful. God, thank you so much for what you're doing in my life. Thank you for providing for me. Thank you for the way that you showed up this week. Thank you that you've got this. And that the hard things that I'm going to go through this week, you'll be with me as I go through them. And we meditate. The last one is celebration. I was thinking about this this week, and I think it's ironic that celebration seems to be one of the harder things for us to do here in worship. Like, when you get into a church and someone starts celebrating, it's almost awkward. Like, that person that was, like, really excited to worship, and you're like, okay, I'm not that excited. But in culture, we, we celebrate naturally. If you think about your favorite football team, it crossed the goal line in the remaining seconds of the game, and everybody in the room celebrates. Your hands go up, and you just start to cheer, and you get excited Our God is really good, and he's worthy of our celebration. I love when we're singing. Like, there's not a better feeling than when you're leading worship and everyone in the room is singing, and you're like, this is awesome. There's so much energy. But I like it so much more when we worship. When it's not every single voice in the room singing what's on the screens, but every single heart in the room is connecting in worship, in our spirit, and in truth. It was a few years ago now, a buddy of mine and I went to a conference. It was like a worship conference. It was my favorite band. It was Jesus Culture. We get down front. The lights come down. The mood's set. You could tell it's going to be some good worship. They start to sing, Come Away With Me. And I love this song. So I'm like, oh, this is, I'm toast. This is going to be great. I'm ready to worship. Just close my eyes. I'm like, Oh, yeah, this is perfect. I'm going to surrender, meditate, celebrate. I'm going to participate. There's going to be so many different things at this point. And they start to sing this song, and I hear singing and not good singing. I hear bad singing, and it's distracting. And my heart, I start to get, I should feel convicted of this, but I got, like, pretty frustrated, right? I'm like, 
all right, man, this is my moment to worship. Like, who is singing like this? And I look over, and my buddy next to me is, he is singing very loudly, if you can call it singing. (laughs) Oh, man. And I was so frustrated. And I look over at my buddy, and the spotlight comes across the room. And I'll never forget this moment. It crosses his face, and there's tears streaming down his cheeks. And I knew that he was going through a really hard time. Like, there's a lot of depression, anxiety. He had had some loss in his life. And he had both hands up, and he's singing these lyrics. It's, it's never too late. It's not too late. It's not too late for me. And I realized that he wasn't singing. He was worshiping with his whole heart. He's worshiping in spirit. It was who he was, the essence of, of his being. And he was worshiping in truth, the honest reality of his pain and his need for God. So what can we do? I think we're going to get an opportunity later. I know there's a couple songs. And I want to encourage you. We don't have to get it right every time. But we can take this step and we can stop singing and start worshiping. That was awesome. Kyle crushed it. Thank you. As, as I even have got to know Kyle, this is true of his life. I watch him. I'll walk into this building at times. It'll be like 9 a.m. and I'll hear like just no one's in here and he's on piano. And it's a beautiful thing when I see him. I come in and, and I, it literally is him just worshiping his guts out and no one around. And so thank you for leading in us. Thanks for even being that example for us. And we want to be a church that doesn't sing. We want to worship. And I love that freedom. It doesn't have to be singing. There's moments where we just need to be quiet. So thank you for giving us that freedom. We really appreciate you. Our next speaker, we're so excited for Zach. Some of you know him, some of you don't, but Zach has served this church for the last four years. He's worked probably every single serve team job possible. He, he knows the alarm codes. He knows like he can run the church. Basically he's worked with kids. He's worked on the tech team. We actually just hired him to uh, be a part of our production and our marketing, but also he has a huge heart for college students. He, he's been a, he just graduated DU, and over COVID, he had 25 students uh, meeting regularly and, and in simple churches and impacting that campus. And if you don't know anything about that campus, that campus has been extremely turned off by the things of God, but God's hand is on Zach hammer and is blessing him and he's going to be starting back up a college ministry this fall and i'm so excited because he has an amazing talk for us today so let's give it up for my man zach hammer what do you think of me you're joking. I'm serious. What do you think of me when you look at me? Maybe you're younger here in the room. You go, oh, chain? Okay. Wolf t-shirt? Okay. Fanny pack? Okay. I like this guy. I can relate to him. I like him. What does he have to say for me? But maybe you're here in the room and you're, you're maybe, maybe you're a little older. You don't like my fit. You don't like that I'm wearing shorts on stage and you go, come on, restoration, really? Why are you letting some 22-year-old up here in wolf t-shirt? What can I learn from this guy? Come on, man. This isn't the church I want to be a part of. But what if, what if Ron Johnson came up here? Maybe, maybe you who are younger, you look at Ron and you go, really? Another old white guy? 
in a polo shirt? We gotta get with the times. This isn't the church I wanna be a part of. But, but maybe you're older and you see Ron, you go, oh man, is that the, the polo shirt I wore to work yesterday? Okay, I can relate to this guy. I wanna hear what he has to say. See, oftentimes we build up these perceptions in our mind. Sometimes they align with reality, but more than often, they don't. So let me ask you older people in the room, when I say the word Gen Z or millennial, what image, what vision comes into your head? Do you think, oh man, they're all lazy. They're all entitled. They're all on their phones all the time. And that one's kind of true, let's be real. <laughs> that one's kind of true. But what do you think? And, and younger people, when I say the words boomer or Gen X, what do you think? Do you think, oh, out of touch, old, lazy, angry? They're on their phones all the time. <laughs> See, we build up all of these perceptions, and oftentimes I think our culture accentuates these perceptions that we have of one another, especially in between generations. Have you experienced this? Have you felt that other people have judged you simply based on the perception they have because of your age? It's the worst. Yeah, I know I've experienced it. But one great thing we love to talk about here at Restoration is that we are a multi-generational church. We're a multi-generational church. Isn't that amazing? Give a round of applause for that. It's awesome. Look around you right now. We've got, we've got young people all sitting right next to old people. We have people... There's nothing symbolic about the white in that. I promise. We have a multi-generational church, and that's such an incredible thing. But guess what? That's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's not good enough for all of us to come and sit next to one another in this building, but still remain separated. It's not good enough to just be here, to be around one another, to sit with one another, but not have relationships with one another. See, oftentimes I think the perceptions which we've built up of one another as well as the self-perceptions we have, separate us, and they divide us, and they distract us from the kingdom that God wants to build. So what is this kingdom God wants to build? Well, I think he has a truth for us in 1 Peter 5. And the truth to older people is this. I don't think you're going to like it, so don't get mad at me. This is, what, this is what the Bible says, not me. This isn't your church. This isn't your church. And what does that mean? Well, in 1 Peter 5, Peter says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. It's not your church. Because you are called to be part of the church. You are called to shepherd the younger flock underneath you. Older people, you are called to help lead the next generation so they can lead the next generation. But younger people, yeah. younger people, you're not off the hook either. Because <laughs> this isn't your church either. And let's, let's read what Peter has to say about that. He says in verse 5, Likewise, you who are younger... 
Be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Younger people, it's not our church either. Because our place is to come and to not expect everything to bend to our wills. Sometimes we need to come humbly to learn to listen from those who are older than us. And recognize that their wisdom is going to allow us to bring generations upon generations to the Lord. It's so easy to try to make restoration our church, my church, your church. So let me tell you a quick story. When I first walked into this building four years ago, just started college at DU, and I said to myself, Pancakes? Sick. Okay, let's go. Some of you OGers know that we used to have pancakes out there. I love that. But what I was really thinking was, all right, when I walk in here, I need to see at least 20 college students. I need people my age. I need them to have all of these things for me, for my generation. I want this to be my church. I want this to be a college church. I want it to fill my needs. Maybe your story is similar to this. You came here and you said, well, I want people who look like me, who talk like me, who are my same age. I want people just like me, and I don't care about who else is here as long as I have those people. Well, the kingdom of God isn't divided out into generations. Up in heaven, I don't think God says, all right, Gen X, you can sit there. Boomers over there. All right, millennials here. Gen Z, stay in the back. Please, please stay in the back. (laughs) He doesn't say that. He doesn't do that. Because the kingdom of God is one which is united. The kingdom of God is not divided. So what can we do practically? What can we do practically? Well, this one is for the younger people here in the crowd. I've talked to a lot of you. You're gregarious. You can get out there. You can start conversations. So what I want you to do, maybe not today, but when we go out on the patio, go up to someone older. This is going to be scary. Start a conversation in real life. (laughs) Just start a conversation. Start building relationships with those who are older here in the church. And you'll start to realize, wow, they have cool stories. Wow, there's so many things that I can learn from them. Wow, I just made a new friend because the kingdom of God is not divided. And older people, my challenge to you is, look, I know us young people, we get a bad rap. And to be frank, we can be the worst sometimes. But we're not as bad as you may think. So I ask that you break free of those perceptions and you make yourself accessible or maybe you start a conversation with someone who's younger. I'm not saying you have to start mentoring someone. If that's what you called to do, please go do that. But just start building relationships. Because guess what? This isn't your church. It's not your church. It's not your church, your church, your church, your church. It's not my church either. Restoration. Let's start this process of truly making this our church. Zach, thank you so much, man. You know, what we want to see as a church is a, a global movement of everyday disciples making disciples for generations to come. And uh, Zach, your, your talk is so timely. 
Um, that's going to mean we, we don't judge the generations that, are, that are, up, are coming up behind us. For example, I would never be caught dead with a fanny pack across my chest. Like, never would I do that. You'll never see that. You know? But you'd probably never be caught dead with a polo on, right? So we, we got to move beyond our, our judgments and move towards uh, elevating the generations behind us. And if that means changing our logo or changing our music or changing forms and style, that's what we'll do. Because we want to have an impact that lasts for generations long after we're all six feet under. Amen? Amen. Restoration. So it's not our church. It's not our church. It's all of our church. Uh, this next talk is uh, very personal for me. It's a, a friend of mine. He's not here today, but he did this video, via video. And uh, it's going to stir you up. I'll just let you know in advance. And I'm not going to lay hands on the talk and tell you what's about to happen. There are Kleenex boxes around you. Uh, I want to remind you this is a very safe place to feel whatever you feel. And I believe God wants to use this talk to enlarge our, our hearts and to enlarge our hope. This is Todd Roper. So I think the um, title of this should be When Your Biggest Mess Becomes Your Message. My story is uh, it's pretty typical, um, but I, I, you know, I, I, uh, I was in a place um, about 10 years ago, and I lost. I, I um, went through a divorce and lost my best friend and business partner right after that um, of a heart attack, and um, I turned away from God and. Um, was making a ton of money and living the lifestyle and, you know, hot tub on the penthouse downtown and was just really unfulfilling and not very happy. There's a lot of drinking um, and I just, I, I just was living the American dream. Um, and um, I had uh, a real false identity um, with, um, you know, um, chasing money and uh, I, I really had searched for a church, and I and I came across uh, restoration through a friend, and went and walked in and sat in the back with my head down, and 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 uh, you know really started started going back to church. Um, I uh, kind of had a rock bottom experience, and after coming back from Belize, had like a three day drinking binge, and. Um, um, I was in church in Minnesota, and um, I just I just finally said to God, I can't do this anymore. And um, He started to transform my life. I met my wife Emily um, soon thereafter, and was baptized at Restoration. Um, and we started to date, and we fell in love, and uh, got married. And um, um, a year uh, a year later, our son Ryan showed up, and uh, just super happy time in my life. I um, I uh, you know was was growing in my faith. We prayed a lot together. We uh, we uh, attended restoration, and um, uh, the the day that the kind of the worst day in my life, I guess. Hopefully, that's the worst day in my life was um, when I, uh, I, I, uh, my wife suffered from depression and she was pregnant with our second son, Walker. And um, 
um, she was really in, in a bad spot. And uh, I, uh, for some reason, took my son to the, to the Pilates gym with me and never had taken him in ever, and not again have I taken him, but that morning, she just had not slept in like six nights and was in a really bad spot. So I just took my son with me. She wanted me to go. Um, I came home from Pilates and every light in the house was on. The TV was on. I'll never forget it. It's super vivid in my memory. Went upstairs and, and knocked on the, the guest bedroom where she was trying to sleep and uh, there was no answer. And I, I uh, panicked and kicked in the door and um, there on the floor was my uh, wife, lifeless body. Um, she'd taken her life, shot herself. And um, um, I just got down on the floor and just held her and, and uh, realized that um, my son Walker was um, there as well. And I, and I kind of like tried to instantly figure out what I could do and just realized there was nothing I could do. Um, I called 911, and the first person, uh, the ambulance just showed up, and um, the first person to come was uh, Ron Johnson, and uh, he lives right across the park from me. It just, my whole world just came crashing down, and, 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 and I remember just walking around the park with Ron saying, you know, why, why, did, why did good things, why did bad things happen to good people? And, and I'm trying to be a good person, and, and I'm growing in my faith, and, and here, you know, I was just, I, you know, I just was devastated, as you can imagine. For, for those of you who, who can't read, Ryan has his own kind of language, but this says, Happy Father's Day. I love you. So that's not coming down. But I never thought I'd be a father, and uh, that, that's a... Always a hard day. Mother's Day is even harder, but Father's Day is a hard day. I wish my wife was here to spend it with us, but man, when God works and, and uh, he and the nanny put that together, he wrote that out. And that's, we celebrate that for sure. That week between her death and the funeral, um, there was, um, oh, I just had a lot of questions and I, I was starting my days with um, devotional and, and journaling and just and just trying to work through in my head how this how how this could happen to me you know you hear about these things happening to other people and and you just you just kind of don't think this would ever happen to you and I remember I was on top of looking at a mountain and I went for I went for a ride my parents were here watching Ryan and I went for a ride and I got to the and I just had this amazing experience where I just flew up there and I stopped at the top and I'm looking at Mount Evans and I'm leaning over my handlebars and I'm, uh, I'm bawling and there's people walking around up there by Betcher Mansion and I'm shaking and I'm on my bike, I'm clipped out and, and I'm just, I'm just, I'm broken. And uh, I'm uh, uh, negotiating with God to, um, that I'll be, and that's, that's, that's just how I am, right? I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to negotiate with God. So um, I'm negotiating with God, thinking, um, um, saying, hey, I will be a good Christian and be a good person for the rest of my life if you will please let my wife into heaven. Because some reason in my head, I thought because of what had happened that she maybe wasn't in heaven. And, and as loud as, as, as I'm talking to you right now, louder, I heard 
audible. She is here. And it just washed over me. And I just leant over and I, and I cried and I got back on my bike after that. And I rode for like an hour and a half and I don't remember anything until I got to my car and clicked out. And, and God knew at that time that um, I needed that. And um, I was kind of searching and, and, and um, after what I'd gone through with my divorce and my friend dying and turning away from God, and I just, it was just so unfulfilling and such a bad, sad place to be, even though I was, you know, making a ton of money and having all this fun and doing all these crazy things. Um, I, 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 God knew I needed that and he may never talk to me again in my, in my life. Um, but he, he knew I needed that and he never had really talked to me audible before. So this is my little guy, Ryan's room. Um, it's pretty, it's, uh, uh, just a great little spot. Um, and, uh, um, one of my friends painted a, um, a picture of my wife, and that's up on the wall. And uh, every night we say, um, when we say our prayers, we, we uh, thank God for mommy in heaven. And uh, she looks over him every night. Um, and um, it's, it's, it's really a special. He's got a, you know, a picture of his mom here. Um, and... and um, you know, us, us as a family, and uh, he doesn't really remember his mom, but uh, he does through pictures and stories that I tell him. So it's it's um, um, kind of a blessing that he doesn't really remember and that he'll always have, you know, fond memories of his mom and doesn't remember when she was uh, so depressed. And this, this, this uh, is the guest bedroom where she was sleeping, and this is the room that I kicked in the door and found her on the floor right there um, next to the bed. Um, and it was really hard to stay in this house, but we decided, I decided to stay in this house because there's so many great memories here. And um, 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 I know God is redeeming my wife's uh, death. And um, we just, we just, it was just a very special place. And if you guys will notice, my house is purple because my wife's favorite color is purple. And that's not changing anytime soon. So that's, it's kind of funny because people are, why do you have a purple house? And I'm like, it's my wife's favorite color. So, but this, that, that's, that, that, um, it was really hard to walk by this room and I used to leave the light on and the door open and now, um, you know, it took a couple years, but, uh, kind of worked through all that. And, um, um, you know, it's just a, um, blessing to have my little guy, you know, he, and he, he doesn't know, you know, he doesn't remember any of it. So thank God for that. The changes that God has made in my life since the day that my wife passed, and when we talk about this, sometimes your biggest mess becomes your biggest message. I just, I just want you to know that if you're going through something really hard, and there's all different flavors of hard, being uh, um, in this world is hard. Um, Jesus is the answer, and. Um, I, I want you to know that there, there is a family here and friends that want to surround you and 
God is using this church, Jesus is using this church to heal hearts and to save people's lives. is still pretty raw for me. Uh, my wife's in the front row and she walked with Emily three days before she took her life. Emily, they were like best friends, you know. It's one of her best friends. And uh, As a pastor, you kind of want to try to put a ribbon on things sometimes. And I don't have a ribbon today. But I've, I've watched this as church for 10 years and we, we called ourselves restoration. We weren't really all the, sure all the reasons why. You know, Nancy's here. People. And um, we have seen that. I remember walking around the park with Todd and him asking these questions, the why questions, and why do you know, bad things happen to good people? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. I can give you theological answers, but they're not going to make you happy. They're not going to make the pain go away. But we, we've seen again and again how... As we bring our messiness to God, He uses it to make us better people. He, he makes our hearts more pliable, more elastic, bigger, uh, bigger containers for joy as well as sorrow. And I, I think it's why He told us to call this Restoration Church. And uh, I don't know what you're feeling right now, but I want you to know this is a safe church for you to grieve. And it's a safe church to be messy in. It's a safe church to suffer. Um, what we don't fully understand, why we suffer so much as human beings, we believe in a God who suffers. You know, in Genesis it says he saw how broken our world was and how we hurt each other. And it says that his heart was filled with pain. And that he even grieved making us. Because so much of our suffering is self-inflicted and other-inflicted. But he... Uh, well, he doesn't give us answers. He's entered into it. And I, I want to kind of end what I want to say right now with the cross. Um, the, the cross tells us we have a God who suffers with us. Amen. And if he can restore the cross, the most evil event in history, then somehow, some way, he's going to restore our pain, our suffering. And he's going to use it for the greater good. And between now and then, when he wipes all the tears from our eyes, He's going to keep using our messiness to further his message. I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. So let's pray. Father, thank you for the talks we've heard today. Thank you for uh, the many stories, the many talents, the many gifts we have in this church. Thank you for the reminders from your word that, uh, that what you want is not our singing, but our worship, which sometimes includes singing. Thank you for reminding us that uh, you, you don't want a generational church. You want a multi-generational church where we, we put the interest of, of the generations behind us ahead of ourselves. And uh, this isn't my church. This is our church together. And you want to use us to make a, a generational impact that will last for generations and generations way beyond us. And then thank you for Todd's talk. Thank you for his vulnerability and his courage. Thank you that he chose to lean towards you and not away from you, from you uh, these last three years. And thank you that uh, as we hear uh, uh, his heart and his growing love for people and for you and the tenderness in his heart, thank you for reminding us that 
that you never waste our suffering, that somehow, some way, you always use it for our transformation and for your glory. And so, while we don't understand it, we, we trust you. We trust you. And so, uh, please receive the worship that we are about to offer you. In Jesus' name, amen.